Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Hello to today's episode of Oddcast. Let's talk about the weather. Today we want to talk about road weather monitoring. And for some of the older listeners, or let's say the listeners who know our podcast already for a bit longer, you might remember episode two where we talked about smart road weather monitoring. We will come back to that topic today and explore further installations that might be a useful um, extension or addition to those road weather monitoring systems. So to discuss that, I invited Stephen Marks and Brandon Ankney, who are our road weather experts in Europe and in the US. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Brandon. Hi, Martin. Hello, Martin. Great to have you here. Thank you for joining. Um, before we come to that slim road rubber installation, uh, which we call RWIS Lite, RWIS is a, an abbreviation for Road Weather Information System. Um, I have a sort of banal question. I mean, when I'm in my car, I have a roof. So why should I care about the weather? Well, Brenton, maybe I'll start answering this. Uh, Europe is a little bit older than the US, so uh, let me go first. Uh, and um, yeah, you're quite right, Martin, but uh, the car is also there for driving. So you want to go from A to B and you don't know how the weather is in B. You know how the weather is in A maybe. Um, so uh, you um, need the authorities here and they have to know uh, how are the circum how's the condition of the streets, uh, how's the weather going to develop, how's the forecast. And there, of course, you need uh, so-called ARVIS uh, systems to give you the information, which is very important for the safety of the roads and for your drive if you go from A to B. And yeah, well, and while you're considering the roof and, you know, keeping yourself dry from the rain, I'm actually thinking more about the tires and how I'm actually connected to the road. And these Arbus light systems, they're going to help us keep these roads safe, clear debris, and they're going to make sure you can get from A to B safely. So you talked about the connection between the tires and the road, the tarmac. So let's do a quick overview, a quick run through the parameters that we are monitoring in a typical hours setup. Yes, a typical harvest set setup, let's say a traditional setup would be a um, weather station. Uh, it would be a um, invasive sensor, um, so a sensor which shows you the the water film height, the temperature of the road. It would um, the weather station would show you the um, humidity, it would the, the barometric pressure, uh, temperature of course, and the precipitation. That would be the let's say the traditional view, maybe combined with a camera or a visibility sensor. But now, as Brenton says, um, we are looking at the light version. And Brenton, I think uh, you, you can explain that better. Yeah, so if, if we're talking the Arwis light version, uh, when Stephen was mentioning the invasive sensors, there is an alternative that we often will use here in the States, and that's actually the same type of device, only it's a non-invasive device. And it's going to measure the same parameters that Stephen was talking about. So it's going to measure that surface condition of the road. It'll tell you if it's wet. It's going to say if there's ice out there. It'll let you know if there's snow. And 
basically what, what you're doing with all these parameters is you're able to calculate a friction value to let you know, hey, the road is now dangerous. You shouldn't be traveling or, hey, we need to go treat this road and make sure it's safe for Stephen to drive and for Martin to stay dry in his car. So and the other part that Stephen mentioned was those atmospheric sensors. And like you said, we do have a sensor that combines a few different sensors offered by our company. So RWS 600 is a combination of the WS 100, which will handle the precipitation intensity and the precipitation type. And it's also the WS 200, which handles the wind speed and the wind direction. And as Stephen was saying, it also handles what our WS 300 does, which is the temperature, the humidity, and the air pressure. So the idea of being light is making all these parameters be able to be measured by one small unit. So when we combine the surface condition reader and we combine this WS600, we have a really powerful system for measuring a wide range of parameters. So I remember that WS600 from a couple of episodes we had in this show. So I can imagine a compact weather sensor with various probes or sensors that delivers those weather information. What I don't really get or what I can barely imagine is how a sensor who is looking at the road from above without having a direct physical contact. How can that sensor tell me if that road is icy, slippery or dry? So what this sensor is actually doing is it's hanging up above the road, at least with an non-invasive sensor, and it's looking down and it's using optical spectroscopy to basically it's, it's bouncing a signal off the road and whatever measurement is bouncing back, it's reading. And it's letting you know as the road changes, how the condition changes. So if your road's becoming icy, it's going to bounce back a different set of data as it's being down and looking at that road. So, Stephen, you said that in Europe, it's rather popular to use the invasive sensors. Could we do a short um, presentation of both? What are the differences? Yes, well, the differences are that the invasive sensors are uh, mounted into the tarmac. And um, that's one of the disadvantages, of course, um, which uh, then, uh, as Brandon um, uh, mentioned, is uh, the light version also makes it more easy and, and lighter to, to mount. Uh, here in this uh, invasive uh, topic, you have to, of course, stop the traffic. You will have to do construction to the to the road. Um, you will have to um, pull um, the, the, the cables uh, um, underneath the tarmac. So is, it is a, a certain um, effort you have to invest. Um, but uh, um, here in Europe, we, we see this as a, um, a very um, a good measurement or good uh, uh, way of uh, measuring the the um, the circumstance and the conditions of the road and um, the good the advantages is that you uh, can also detect um, the, the ice percentage you can um, also uh, detect the the water film height up to four millimeters this is something which uh, with the um, non-invasive sensor, you are limited to two millimeters. So if you want to have a higher water film height, you want to measure a higher water film height, and you also um, uh, would like to uh, measure uh, the the percentage of the, um, the salt in the water, and um, that 
especially if you go to runways, for example, of, um, uh, airport runways, you would also combine that with a, a ARS, with a, a active um, a sensor, which you also mount into the street, into the runway, and uh, that will give you additional um, parameters which are very important and which you, of course uh, on a runway you can't uh, use a non-invasive sensor because you would have to mount it onto a mast and um, that of course disturbs uh, the the wings of a of an airplane so there are advantages and disadvantages in both technologies you must just find the right uh, application for it an interesting point to, to add to what Stephen was saying is these devices are very low maintenance so once you have these set up, whether you're bearing that puck in the road or using that non-invasive sensor, there's very little you have to do to actually maintain these. Uh, with a non-invasive, you do have to replace the bulb every two to three years. But outside of that, these things are up and they're running and they're bringing your data back to you for years and years. So these are very, very robust devices that we're talking about here. So just to sum up the difference between the invasive and the non-invasive sensors, which are optical uh, sensors, which I've learned now, is that um, they are used a bit for different applications. When we have a need for, um, let's say, more or a higher variety of parameters and deal with higher water films, we would go rather for the invasive sensors. And, and there, when we want to spend less effort and also, of course, less budget on sensors and we have a slim version, we prefer the optical, the non-invasive road surface sensors. Would you go with that? Would you agree? Yes, I would. In general, you can say that. Um, and uh, to underline that with the non-invasive, sorry, with the invasive sensors like the IRS 31, you've also got the um, possibility to, um, uh, with two additional depth temperature sensors, which you can uh, attach. Uh, typically, they are in five or uh, 30 centimeters depth. And then, of course, um, you with those two sensors, you can um, detect how the temperature is in that um, depth of the road. Um, this is something which is very uh, important for for black ice, for example. Um, as we all know, in the in the springtime, uh, your uh, uh, road could be uh, icy underneath, uh, and because of the sun shining onto the tarmac, um, the um, road could be dry and and uh, maybe plus you know, uh, above uh, the icing temperature. So as soon as the cloud goes in front of the sun, you could have a totally different uh, situation. If it then starts to rain, you would have black eyes. And this is something which you can detect with a uh, invasive sensor with uh, two temperature sensors uh, in the depth. This is additional uh, benefit, of course, for our customers to uh, monitor the, the situation and the forecast. Okay, so there is no general answer what I should go for, um, but there are of course options for everyone and uh, reaching out to you will be the right thing to do then uh, and explore which option suits better. So today we want to talk about this slimmer version, which as we've learned consists of um, a weather sensor, a compact weather station and a non-contact or non-invasive optical road surface sensor. So two sensors providing a lot of information. Um, what I'm asking now, um, what happens with all the information that is gathered by those two sensors? Well, the information is uh, sent uh, generally uh, with um, a router to the, to the cloud and we can 
uh, use the information to monitor you know, the, the, the situation on site. Um, it's uh, important for decisions uh, if we are going to send out the winter service again, um, if we have to um, add extra um, uh, salt to the, to the, um, the roads um, as a precaution. Um, all these information uh, is, is very important for the, uh, the winter service, but not only for the winter service. These informations are, um, we have got these um, light versions on uh, bridges, for example, uh, which um, are heated. And these bridges, they don't have to be heated, of course, if the sun is shining and it's uh, a plus, let's say, 10 degrees. Um, it only uh, gets important um, if it starts to rain and if we are talking about um, zero degrees where we are afraid that the road would uh, be icy then afterwards. So, and this is uh, an example which saves us a lot of energy and of course at the end of the day, the money for the customer. And But let me ask one question here. So for you it might be normal, but I haven't heard about that. So bridges are being heated? Well, there are some bridges uh, which are heated, um, some park decks are heated because in wintertime uh, they're very steep and um, the authorities are afraid that they um, get uh, icy, of course, and then they, um, the cars uh, start um, slippering and uh, cause accidents. So this is the reason why um, some of the park decks and some of the steep bridges are heated in a very uh, cold and very uh, specific situations. And with the information from, from that setup, we can know when to turn on the heater. So this is the idea behind that. Exactly, exactly. In the old days, we didn't have a, um, a measurement. We didn't have a, a, an idea when we had to uh, turn or turn off the, the heating. So to make it safe and sure, we had the heater on basically from October until March uh, during the winter time in uh, Central Europe. And uh, that, of course, caused a lot of um, energy and a lot of costs and now we are able to uh, with these uh, Arvis light systems we are able to uh, monitor when is it critical when is the the weather um, so that we have to switch on the heating and the heater the heating goes on relatively fast it takes a few hours but um, in the forecast we'll show you uh, when this is necessary and uh, when um, the heater is, makes sense and um, that of course uh, gets you down to at least uh, 80 percent of savings are there any other options or ways to to get the data to to me oh uh, yes there are so as Stephen was mentioning, there there is the route of using that cellular modem, but there is another device that we use here in the U.S. that is a remote processing unit. We call it our LCOM, and the reason we use this device is because the state DOT companies, they need a common language to be able to bring that data in so that they can all talk to each other. So the protocol we use is called NTCIP, which stands for National Transportation Communication for ITS Protocol. It's a whole bunch of words, but it basically just means something that they can talk in a common language to. So we use that Elcom device to, to actually do that. It's 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 still, it's just a different way of sending that data out that again is a common language. So this is like the bridge between the, uh, the sensor, the station and the user, and in between you have that Elcom. Yeah, and it's it's just what you're going to be using to send that data. It's it's how we get that data to either 
the garage or to the community or to whoever is actually monitoring that data. That's how we get that data out to them, either that cell router or that LCOM unit. So all in all, it sounds like very straightforward solution. You don't need a lot of elements, but you get a lot of data out of that, um, which could be useful for people who are starting to set up an ROWS system, as on road weather information system, or who have to fill gaps at critical places, right, where you can't install a full uh, a full width station. Correct. Yeah, like well, whether that's for budgetary reasons or just for the ability to actually put those units in. Yeah, it's it for all the reasons above. So I'm taking a look at the clock and noticing that we're coming to the end of this episode. Um, I want to touch base on um, the software that that those people are using. I mean, getting the data is one thing, but how do they operate with that? Yeah, so the, the software that we're using is actually called Vimondo. And the way it works is it's just it's a really intuitive way to visualize your data. So if, if you're collecting all this data, chances are you may not be an expert in this data. So what we need to do is we need to take that data and have a way to show everyone exactly what primers are reading and why it matters. So when you can visualize this, you can see, hey, the road is turning icy and it's right up here on my map. I can see where my problems are. I can see where I need to treat them and I can be proactive with going to, out to treat. So it's it's not just about being proactive though. It also is going to save you budget because if you're needing to go out and treat a road, you can actually save a significant amount of salt by not treating the road until it's actually needed. So you know when to be proactive, when to actually go out and make that road safe. And additionally to that, you can also go back in history. You can uh, look up, um, did I do the winter service correctly in um, five days ago or last year? So if somebody has an accident, for example, and uh, um, he says that the road was too slippery, you could go back in time and uh, verify that you did your job, that the road was uh, safe, and that this uh, maybe a person just was driving too fast. So that is a additional security for the authorities. So with the data we are getting from our stations and that software, we are looking into the present situation, what is happening now and maybe in the next hours based on how the weather is um, behaving and also into the past, right? We can see what exactly. happened when we, whenever we want to look at the data. Understood. And actually past data is, is very, very, very important. Like being able to see how your rotor reacted in the past can help you predict how to treat roads properly in the future. So yeah, that past data is absolutely valuable. I mean, salt is uh, an important topic, not only related to safety, but also to um, sustainability, of course. We have a webinar around that. Um, I will add the link into the episode details. Um, I have one last question before I release you guys. Um, when I set something up like that, you said we, we need a mast and uh, maybe to in some small installation next to the road. Um, if I already have stations, uh, can I use the existing infrastructure to host those new sensors? Actually, yes. And like what, one of the key things we try to drive home is getting the most out of your Argos light system and utilizing the, that existing infrastructure 
is a key point to getting the most value. So if you have a traffic cabinet already out on the road somewhere, you can actually cohabitate our sensors into that cabinet. You don't need to run separate lines. You don't need a separate AC power. If you have power already running and a location to put these items, we yeah, we can put all of our sensors in the exact same place, which is going to save you money. It's going to save you installation time. It's going to keep your team off the road. It's going to it's going to keep the, the road open longer. It's it's just it's a really really valuable thing that we can actually utilize that existing infra- infrastructure. That reminds me of of a blog article I've written I think two years ago about the. Californian Department of Transportation, Caltrans, who was retrofitting their stations with our sensors. So they were hosting other sensors before and then just replacing them without any bigger work on the infrastructure with our sensors. I mean, those weren't really our slide stations, but I think the, um, let's say the advantage of that is the same. So I will add this blog article to the episode details too. Um, so far, listeners, check those out. I think it's worth exploring uh, the links and the episode details. And Martin, I actually love the brought up Caltrans because Caltrans is a really good example of utilizing that existing infrastructure. So Caltrans actually was an early adopter and they already had some ROS technology. But what's really unique and awesome about our version of ROS is we are able to play well in their system. So... The, the system that already exists out for Caltrans, we can bring our sensors in. If a piece of theirs has broken, we can replace it with a piece of ours. It doesn't have to be all our equipment. We talk well with everyone else's equipment, like what we're considered open protocol, which is, it's just a huge advantage. It, it allows us to replace pieces of the ROS without replacing pieces that are still functional. So we want you to get the most value out of your sensors. And this is one of the ways to do that. Before I say goodbye, I want to thank Stephen and Brandon for participating. It's been a pleasure uh, hosting you and inviting you here to this episode. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having us, Martin. Yeah, Martin and Stephen, it's, it also has been a pleasure. I think we can all agree that we are out here to make our roads safer. And really, it's just it's an important job, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Great, Brandon. Stephen, have a good summer. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you both. Let's talk about the weather.